Hey, bitch. Hey, how's it going? <clears throat> Hello, everyone. Welcome to this first probably trashed episode of... I like how you put that on me. Maybe part of this will be us figuring out what the name of this fucking show is. How about that? Yeah, I think that that's probably the um, the first thing on the agenda. Uh, this is the beginning of the Patrick X. Kellen um, experience. Two young career professionals blazing in their industries. Um, uh, truly, what a time to be alive. Guess that's that is accurate. I get we are two young career professionals. <laughs> <laughs> what does from that the, mean? From the, I don't know. From the same hometown that has uh, branched out into their respective locations in the world. Yeah, actually, yeah. Um, two two kids from Geneva, Alabama. Population I think is somewhere like five point one thousand now. When we were there, it was like three point one. They're on the yeah. rise. Yeah, I remember the sign. It was like 3,200 <laughs> or 3,100 or something. Yeah, absolutely. How many people were in your graduating class? It was 78, I think. Ooh, nice. How many yeah. of them were pregnant? Ooh, probably like four or five. If yeah, not like on graduation day, too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that, that's kind of the vibe for Geneva, Alabama. You grow up, you get pregnant before you get out of high school, you marry um, someone from your youth group. And then you work the rest of your life at the IGA, which is fine. I'm not yeah. shitting on anybody. That's just the That's, way the culture works. Yes. Yeah. I think uh, while we were there, we both knew that it was likely we would not stay there and participate in that lifestyle. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's nice to be, nice to be away from that, but it's cool yeah. to think about it again. But uh, Well, see... I didn't actually know that I wasn't going to be a part of that. Um, I was uh, actually like I had like the intent of marrying my high school girlfriend uh, from my youth group. And then this guy uh, actually talked me out of that <laughs> uh, but <laughs> over like long nights of playing World of Warcraft and sharing YouTube videos. Oh, well, that is a. Uh... Something I did not realize, I guess, when I look back at the situation. I don't, you, it's not. You don't remember the Skype chat where you're like, Kellen, what are you doing with your life? Like, how does this make sense? <laughs> to be honest with you, <laughs> to be honest with you, no, because I had that communication with so many people like Devin Bracken. I had that same thing with yeah. Devin and uh, man, there were just like a lot of people I had that talk with, to be quite honest with you. Uh, I remember I do remember the talk with Devin because it was in the band room and there was oh, like, Jesus. and that's, I just remember it because of the backdrop of the band room and we were trying not to have anybody else hear the conversation. But, um, yeah, that's, that's fascinating. I mean, I remember having a lot of great conversations with you, but that one in particular, uh, doesn't stand out to me. I think we had a lot of great conversations. So yeah, yeah we did. Yeah. Um, but that was also but, on the precipice of the first time I tried weed, which was helpful. <laughs> yes yes uh, that was uh, a whole se I remember all that I definitely remember all that James Piper and uh, and uh, Jordan a lot of people yeah mostly it was uh, me James and Matt Matt that's, Nepix that's... 
the highest ranked shadow priest on Frostmain uh, yeah. at the time. <laughs> yeah. Probably oh, because man. he was the only shadow priest uh, during Black Temple. Um, yeah. But. Matt loves priest. Big fan of priest. You know, I mean, they're kind of hot. The robes, you know, and uh, and the angel wings, and then like, I don't know, dude. Like, WoW models have always been questionable. Shadow priests and priests in general have always kind of like been solid. Yeah, WoW has done some crazy stuff with the models. I think, like, some so you go through some of those tier sets, and it just feels like I don't know what was happening during those eras. <laughs> Especially some of the classes, you're just like, I don't know who approved this or if they just had to get something out. Uh, yeah. But it definitely feels like sometimes they didn't have enough ideas, I guess, is the best way to think about it. But yeah, it seems like Priest yeah. often often has some pretty good sets, that's for sure. Some of those Paladin sets were uh, very, very clown-themed, uh, some might say. Yeah. Yeah, they're really <laughs> bad. I remember one, I think it was maybe the first set of... Uh... Uh, the Lich King, they dropped a paladin tier set with um, a fucking skirt instead of leggings. And everybody lost their shit. It was like this <laughs> huge <Yeah>. controversy <laughs> where everyone's like, uh, uh, there are only male paladins. And it was, there was <laughs> thinking back on it now, like it's actually kind of weird. Uh, yeah. But everybody was really pissed that there were there was a paladin set that had a, had a rope. A different time, where <laughs> a different time where it wasn't a wasn't a, wasn't normal, you know. I think now, yeah. I think since since that point though, they started doing like, if I remember correctly, it was kind of like double armor where there was like a skirt and pants, or whatever. <clears throat> really, where you, could get, where you could get either one, yeah, on some of the tier sets. I definitely See, remember some. Yeah, I remember some of the druid ones were like that. I'm I'm see I'm totally in. And then your sets have like an extra like ten percent chance, or sorry, how many pieces are there? One, two, three, four, five, six. An extra like uh seventeen point three percent chance of being cool. Um, <laughs> don't yeah, check also, my math on that, please. Also, I think a big part of <clears throat> like the World of Warcraft thing. I think a lot of those tier sets were saved by the fact that you could transmog. There, there was a lot of weird rules in there, but eventually at some point you could start to transmog stuff, and I think that made it a lot more reasonable. Yeah. You know, I think so. that, like, really every single video game, for me at least, and probably all normies, um, I know that you're, like, a big numbers and systems guy. We had this one conversation um, about an existential crisis you had involving numbers, which I'd love to talk about in a minute. Uh, okay. <laughs> but, but for me, the end game of, game of everything is just fashion. You know, it's just like how fucking hot can I look in this video game while I'm like slaying my. I don't even like care about the monsters and shit. Like, I just want to look cooler than everybody else. Yeah, that's. Uh, I just want to make sure that I kill the monsters, and I don't really care. It's funny because that has come full circle into fpv for me too 
Because there's really? so many people, like, yeah, I do uh, the FPV drone stuff, and there's so many people who are like, oh, yeah, I love that frame. It looks so cool, and I'm going to, like, make sure I put, the, like, the white bumpers on it. I'm going to have, like, the black cover, and I'm going to make sure that the camera matches and stuff. And I'm like, it's flying through the air at 100 miles an hour. You're not going to see it. You're looking out the front of it. Like, nobody will ever see it. It's you see it on a bench. <laughs> I, I don't understand it. I I build the ugliest drones you could build pretty much because they fly the best. That's what my world has always been like. And I imagine uh yeah, you're probably in the other camp there. Uh yeah. Where oh, you want it to look cool. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. I don't give a shit about functionality. Uh like even I mean, I do. And I've always kind of like happened upon things that like work and look exactly like I wanted to. Uh, but it's like when I got my mark, like, uh, my tenor saxophone. Um, it's like this super expensive uh, old tenor saxophone. It's a Mark VI, and uh, when I first got it, it still had some lacquer on it. Um, and I had like this summer where I was working on it with uh, one of my friends who was a tech at the time. And I'm like, yeah, let's put it in a bathtub filled with lye, um, and then scrub the lacquer off of it. And he's like, dude, that's gonna change the sound forever. And I'm like, yeah, but I really want it to look cool. Uh, and we did it, and thank God it sounds even better. But that could, <laughs> that could have been bad. It could have gone real wrong. Jeez. Yeah, it's the first time I've ever used lie. Um, and I'm sure my friend didn't really enjoy uh, having a bathtub full of lie. Uh, but, you know, honestly, he was a heroin addict. His apartment was a wreck. It, it wasn't the most out of normal uh, thing in that apartment. <laughs> Did you ever um, did you ever work with Mr. Rudolph, our old band teacher, or was that before oh, your time? God, I met the guy. Okay, uh, Mr. Rudolph one time told me to use Brasso on my silver trombone. Oh God! Uh, and so I still have that trombone with a giant, uh, <laughs> I would say, like sand dollar sized uh, mark on right on the bell where you see it while you're playing it. Uh, it's covered in scratches. It's just like, it's just like the most scratched you could make silver. Yeah, I good, love that for you. Good times. <laughs> Truly. Dude. It made me scared forever to polish my trombone because yeah, he told me to use Brasso. So good stuff. And yeah, it's not well, like he said, use it on a little spot in the corner where no one will see it because I'm a dumb kid at school. I saw I used it right on the part that was the dirtiest. Honestly, you should take that to like small claims court. Like, I would love to see. I would. I would give anything for a a Judge Judy episode. Like, uh, twenty years past the fact. Uh, the people uh, versus Mr. Rudolph, represented by uh, uh, Patrick, and, and, and <laughs> I would just love this man to uh, like you. You pull up your trombone. And you're like, uh, 20 years ago to this very day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And she's like, let me see the evidence. And, like, some guy uh, in, like, a hazmat suit uh, because um, it's a trombone and, and we're in COVID times uh, is, like, carrying this trombone to the front of the courtroom. Um, and he puts it, like, six feet away from the judge. And she looks at it with, like, a magnifying glass or a telescope or something. And she's like, point to the spot in question. Uh, I would give anything. You look like a hipster, but not an asshole. If that, if that makes sense. Aw. 
Th- yeah. from, from someone who lives in uh, Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, I really appreciate that. <laughs> That's absolutely what I'm going for. Looks like you could go to a hipster party and everybody think you're totally fine, but then you could yeah. talk and everybody doesn't hate you. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, okay, so what is a, a hipster party? Tell me, tell me about that. Um, I imagine what I imagine. I don't go to hipster parties. I, what I imagine a hipster party is, is uh, everybody sitting around talking about things they have no clue about. But everyone is too afraid to tell them that they have no clue about it because they don't know enough about it either. So everyone is this. just talking about things that they don't understand in very pretentious ways. Like they're better than the other people who also talk about it. That's my understanding. Yeah. And they're also eating wine and cheese, maybe fondue. Uh, but no real meals, uh, because that yeah. would be like something you have to dedicate, take care of, work for, clean up. Like we don't want any of that. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, dude, uh, that's that's pretty accurate, actually. <laughs> um, that no, that's that's really it. Brings to mind this very specific uh, hipster party that it was back during the um, the Hillary Clinton Donald Trump election. Um, and I was the only, um, Bernie supporter there. Uh, but I, I, so we were a whole, it was a whole bunch of white people, uh, and we were in an apartment in the Upper West Side, um, drinking wine and the host of the party had printed out these pamphlets about like how to smell and taste wine. And so we were, (laughs) seriously. And so, uh, there's this like room of like woke white people, um, trying to um talk about political issues and reform and their care for underprivileged communities uh whilst simultaneously um sipping wines and like talking about the tannins which is something i still don't understand um and at some point i'm like yeah you know i'm not really a fan of hillary um i think that she's a disgusting war criminal um and i'd much prefer someone like bernie in office and i think that this is the time to go put our money in that court and i got called like a sexist um and all this other stuff and and I, it was just like it was one of those moments for me where i was like wow um maybe i'm uh maybe i need to find some other kind of identifier other than liberal because this is like some woke hipster nonsense yeah this is uh, not where i'm at anymore yeah yeah this this is not where i lie I'll just never forget like a room of seven people yelling at me, calling me a sexist because I called Hillary Clinton a war criminal. Um, and it was like just the weirdest thing. That's how I imagine it would be for me if I hung out with those people. I just yeah. very like have worked hard not to be in those <laughs> groups of people. <laughs> like they know very early that I'm not going to participate and they don't like me. I think that is the most often thing that happens because I just am honest and real and I have actual opinions. Like the yeah. most, the thing that like seems to happen a lot is there's no real opinion because if you take a stance, then that means somebody can challenge that stance and you could be wrong. So we can't take a stance. We got to take yeah. The only stance we could take is something you can't argue with. Women are the yeah. best. You can't say anything yeah. about that. Like, like, you know, black people have been wronged. I'm like, that's true. But like, yeah. also that, that doesn't invalidate everything else someone says. Like, that's the yeah. biggest thing that like I see happen in a lot of those situations. It's like, yeah, you're a sexist because we don't agree with the words that you say. Like, and they don't, yeah. they're not sexist words. Um, 
Yeah, it's just really frustrating. Yeah, I think um, I don't. Do you know Tim Minchin? I think uh, he's like a he's an Australian uh, comedian who does uh, singing comedy, uh, but it's a lot more highbrow than. It depends on what you think of as highbrow, but <laughs> uh, he has a, a video called Storm, and it's a spoken word poetry kind of beat poem thing he does. That's a lot of fun where he argues with a liberal girl who is talking about her crystal therapy and her, uh, you know, like how she doesn't necessarily believe that you could just like apply science to everything and like, you know, those yeah. kind of conversations. And he just goes off on like eight minute rant about why she's completely wrong about everything she's saying and the yes. logic is extremely important. And um, that's the kind of, that's my inner voice when I'm with any of those people. Is like, there's a yeah. lot of things I could say here and I don't agree with any of what you're saying. So I just try to leave. I don't want to be in that conversation because it's not going to be good <laughs> for the people involved because yeah. they don't, they're not. The thing that I'll say is a lot of people aren't interested in changing a worldview. They're cemented in a worldview that they just are lived, they've lived in for a very long time and they hang out with people who have the similar worldview and they argue against people who don't have the same worldview and that's the way they live. And uh, when somebody comes in who has a rational, intelligent discussion, who has a different worldview, and that challenges the thing that they have, it just ends up poorly. Instead of having yeah. a good, healthy conversation and one or the other maybe understanding the other person, it becomes a uh, challenge against everything that is the foundation of them. And, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't, it's just very frustrating that that's where we've come to. When I was like 12 years old, I told my parents, I remember telling my dad, I said, we are moving into an era of learning. <clears throat> like, because before, everybody was like working to like just live, right? And now slowly yeah. we can like, we can provide for people. We're going to have the resources to do that and people won't need to work as much. And now they can just learn and progress and we can develop and there'll be new technologies and uh, all that will, and instead... It seems like we've kind of stagnated in this world in which people aren't interested to learn more. They're learning more inside of a bubble they have. Yeah. It, it's just very and strange. That's the real problem. Yeah, yeah. I don't. The, the, the problem is the bubble and the. Um, because people are um, definitely engaging with learning materials uh, at, a, at a rate that is far greater than they ever have been. People are more engaged in, in politics and more engaged in, in educational media, but people aren't willing to have conversations, uh, and like open conversations um, with the other side, kind of something that I saw, um, something that pushed me away from conserv conservatism early on was this yeah. inability to have conversations. Um, because everyone was just like, oh, like for whatever reason, whether it's like they're baby killers or like Jesus thinks that this is wrong. Like people were unwilling to have conversations about their political beliefs. Um, and so I, you know, uh, found, you know, kind of at a, at a young age, I was like, okay, maybe this is not where I belong. Let's check out liberalism. And then over the course of our lifetimes, um, I think we saw the Democratic Party turn into literally the same thing which kind of culminated with trump where it's like if you're a trump supporter you can go die and they developed that same kind of crystal lady rhetoric like now like the woman with the crystal that believes that there's some things you just can't talk about they're, they're on both sides of the spectrum it's like this giant horse through shoe that like uh pierces through the entire political spectrum from left to right 
that is just like this radical, crazy, bubble living, crystal collecting people that aren't willing to talk about things, and they get like woke mad if you if you present any kind of idea that like might even be opposing. Like you're not even allowed to play devil's advocate and like ask a question yeah. at the party, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's like people these days don't necessarily understand what devil's advocate is and why it's important. And like they haven't run the devil's advocate process through a lot of what they do. And like yeah. that's why they think the way they do because it's like, oh, you haven't, you literally haven't considered the other side. You literally haven't heard yourself talk. Um, yeah. And yeah, it, it, it's mind blowing because like you said, it, it definitely seems like it's changed in our lifetime. I feel like previously there was at least, you know, maybe it's perception because of where we grew up or at least, you know, like from my side of things, but where we grew up was so segmented into conservative or normal <clears throat> is how I always felt like where we grew up was you're either like a normal person who like interacts with the outside world and knows other people and uses the internet and can communicate on forums and stuff like that. Or you were a church going hardcore conservative who had these Bible thumping values. And so for me, I think that's why I fell into liberalism, because liberalism was a lack of conservatism in that world that we lived in. But like yeah. now it's moderate. Like now it's like, hey, you both both sides are fucking insane. And the question is, like, to me, 100 percent, I think about this a lot is like, why? What happened? You know, uh, and, you know, I don't know how far we want to go down this path, but like. You know, like Brett Weinstein, you know, uh, and um, there's a lot of stuff that happened in colleges um, that really changed the way people thought about like liberal values. There started to be classes about liberal values that didn't have like logic and science to back them. It was more like political classes and understanding of like how groups were wronged, but it's not like a real science. And so I think when you start teaching those kind of things and there's not like an actual way to back it up or validate it. Um, you, you end up convincing people that it's just right because it's right. Like, we don't look at what historically happened. We don't look exactly how people were wronged. We don't look at the e exact interactions that everyone has because we assume that those interactions were biased and are biased. Instead yeah. of saying, like, hey, now these interactions are what they are. The previous interactions were what they were. Let's unpack and look at all the things that are involved. Instead, there's a blanket thrown over that says any talk or any communication about, um, like, are, are women are wronged or are they not? Like, and maybe they are in certain cases, but the word is all women are true all the time. Everyone's right all the time if they're a woman, because that's, we don't believe women. We gotta believe women. Well, that's great, but you can't speak in absolutes because this is science and logic. That's the world we live in. You have to, like, take... Uh, it's the same thing as the fucking Constitution. It's like, you have to... Innocent until proven guilty has to work across everything forever. And just because a group is wrong or something happened bad, we can't say, like, everything forever means that they're right. And I think that's the thing that we saw the Liberal Party, that happened to the Liberal Party. It's like, <clears throat> because... It used to be bad for people. Now they're just right when they have a conversation. Because if we say they're wrong, you might be against them because you don't like what they are. And, and yeah. like, there's no room for a real conversation there. Yeah, so I, I hear you on all of that. Yeah. I, I'm going to push yeah. back and say yeah. that uh, with, with all of that on the table, I think it's a really good thing. 
yeah. so like there th- we're definitely in a uh we live in a world now where um social justice and social in- uh issues have uh become trendy in a lot of circles and you have people like performatively jumping on to the uh to movements and um overdoing it because of their lack of understanding of like you said like the exact historical context of these issues um but i'm personally super encouraged that especially in colleges um that these kind of things are being platformed and being brought up and maybe in some ways uh it's not being you know it's very new kind of to um learn about social issues um that's something that's really come to light in our lifetime like even when we were younger uh, the word mental health wasn't something that's, that was on the table. Um, yeah. But, and there, there's definitely some, some uh, we haven't figured out how to talk about them all exactly yet, but the fact that this stuff is being put on the table, even though um, there has been kind of maybe a bend too far in, in some places, um, I, I think that that's a necessary step in undoing uh, all of the, you know, uh, wrong and, supremacy that's happened over the course of, you know, especially our country. Um, I, I, I don't see this pushback um, as a permanent one, but I see it as, as kind of a necessary one that some things are being taken too far, you know? Um, and I, th- I think you mentioned specifically, specifically uh, like, she's a woman, so believer. And now, like in the news, there are a whole bunch of sexual assault allegations, some that are proving... Um, to really uh, uncover like bias and um, advantages that have been taken over women um, through tons of industries, especially the entertainment industry. But then we're also seeing some fringe cases where um, these actions are being performatively, men are being performatively called out for power gain um, or just because of uh, nefarious intention. And I think that those situations um, suck, but the habit of believing women isn't something that has existed uh, for a long time. Um, in fact, they haven't really had a voice. Sure. So I see this, you know, temporary, like this state of like, okay, everybody like get on the bandwagon. We have to like assume that these people wouldn't be telling a lie is good for now until we find like a, a medium ground where we can figure out how to deal with serious social issues that have been plaguing our world and industry in like a more serious way uh, and it, for some people it's sucking um, especially who was it? It's Aziz Ansari um, who yeah. got uh, canceled kind of like at the start of the Me Too movement and also kind of brought to the end of like the, the mainstream Me Too movement when his allegations um came out to be um, kind of like overstated and uh, he kind of got um, un- uncanceled. But I-, I think that it's a good flex for the time being, but I, I definitely it, hear you on the emotion behind it. Yeah. It's just the, I guess the thing is, the question is what did you view things as before? Because like my view previously wasn't that the whole world had a stance of trust men. Um, so the fact that we have a correction to trust women 
seems strange to me instead of trust everyone. Like, I understand that you have to tr you correct into, like, trust women because you have to force people to understand that previously there was maybe more trust for men. But, like, I guess my point is, like, none of us were thinking with that directive. Like, I, you know, like, the, the way I that... Disagree. Uh, I, I don't like I never at no point in my life have I felt like a man has more more impact on words or anything than a woman like I, I don't you can say that society has impacted us like that but I've never seen that like you, you can say that other people have impacted like that maybe the government acts like that or like public figures act like that or whatever but like I mean even in my workplaces my professional workplaces like we've all we always promoted women the same as men we always looked when I was in the back looking at resumes at Hungry Howie's we weren't picking out men like there wasn't they had yeah. nothing to do with anything we were literally going through here's what the resume says here's where they worked here's what their history is and let's call their previous employers there was literally no idea of were they a man or a woman and so like i know there was some of that before but now because the directive for everyone is trust women it certainly seems like overcorrection and like you said maybe that's okay but like there are a lot of people who uh whose lives are not going to be as you know, like, I don't know, there's going to be some shit that happens because of that. And like, you know, maybe that's, again, maybe that's worth it. Um, yeah. But I think a lot of times for me, it's like when you, it, it's the trolley problem. When you, when you take an action on something and that causes a negative to someone else, was that bad? Because maybe you caused less negative for the people you moved it away from. The problem is it's so hard to quantify that, right? Because like, yeah. Yeah, if you moved all these men in front of a train because now some women don't get hit by the train, how do you know how many of each happened? And like, was it better to shake it up? And will eventually it come back together? Because the other problem I have with it is that um, I don't know that I'm seeing it converge yet. And I want to start to see the convergence back. And I feel like we're just still correcting out. Um, yeah, and, so I, I hear you on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think that one of the main arguments isn't that necessarily um, you're less likely to believe women, right? But I think yeah. that we do work in a society um, that is capitalistic in economy and also socially capitalistic. Um, and when you look at kind of like the disbursement of social capital, um, men do own and have historically owned uh, the breadth of it. So it's not necessarily... Uh, when you have you know a man in, or a woman in, in front of a train and you're looking and you can only you only have time to like pull one off the tracks. It's not like oh do I pull the man or the woman? It's like do I pull, pull like Martin Scorsese or his assistant uh, off the tracks? And like right. the likelihood that a man would have like a, more name and more power that would give you more incentive to save them from the tracks. Um, it's just like higher likelihood. But I, I hear you. Yeah, like the, the it, it is frustrating beyond belief to see people suffer um at the you know for the goal because everyone's goal is just to, to move society forward right uh, i think in yeah. the end everyone has good intentions they want to see things be as equal as possible um and and right now some innocent people are suffering uh, yeah but and again and, and like i don't I don't have a problem. Like I understand that like women were wrong and now maybe some men are wrong and maybe everybody's wronged or whatever's happening. Like I understand like all the, like I get that and I'm not saying it's like better or worse, I guess. My question yeah. is just that like, is it better when you change something, especially societally, 
to like over course correct or is it better to slowly move into something so that you don't move too far past the line because like i still think it's a completely valid concern the idea that we will start restricting speech more than we should um it's like and yeah. like i think this this all plays into the same thing and when you start restricting speech somebody decides what speech you restrict that's just how the, how it works, whether it's the zeitgeist or not. Like that zeitgeist is developed and built by some people on Twitter or whatever it, it yeah, ends up being. Sure. Right. And so like, yeah, it's always that, the zeitgeist. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and if that, if they're, if they're using, uh, whatever basis to decide words that we don't use, maybe some of those words will be horrible, like hate speech. And the question is, yeah. when do those words become words that like maybe we should be okay with using or maybe restricting them doesn't help anyone and maybe we're restricting them just to feel like we're restricting words and like, I don't know, stuff like that starts to worry me because I don't see the course correcting back from word restriction. And like it, when you start to see, like you said, people get canceled for, you know, whether they're interactions with women or just like things that they say, like, um, you know, I, I don't know, the guy from SNL that got canceled, Shane Gillis, I still think that was fucking crazy. And I will I'm say that familiar. to the end of the world. Um, Shane yeah. Gillis was on a podcast and he made some, like, he was basically telling a joke about how people are racist and, and made a racist Chinese voice for about three seconds in the context of saying how this is how people who are racist say Chinese voices. Somebody clipped that out, put it on the thing. He got fired from SNL after he was hired like two weeks before that. And there was no context. There was no understanding of what he said. There was no basis for him to explain himself. There was no any of that. It was, I don't know. There's just, this doesn't make any sense. Like to me, that doesn't yeah. make any sense. Like that person doesn't believe Chinese people are bad. You haven't helped yeah. anyone. You, you're, you haven't progressed society. You have stopped someone from, um, from seeing their dream by participating in the thing that they tried to do for their entire life because they said the words Ching Chong Ching in a podcast that 80 people listened to 10 years ago. It doesn't make yeah. sense. And so, like, to me, like, that's where I see that that overcorrection happens. And I don't know that that overcorrection is, like, a beneficial overcorrection in any capacity. Like, I get that, like, you maybe sometimes you have to overcorrect, and maybe sometimes we have to do more than we're going to do. But, like, just feels like we're seeping into a world in which um, there's just, like, a... Yeah, I don't know. Like, when, when there was a... Um, what you would call like a systematic thing against women, right? Like the whole, like, which I totally understand, especially in the um, like movie industry and stuff. Like I'm sure people were doing that kind of shit and you see it all the time in movies, but I'm sure it was happening in real life where like secretaries are having to fuck their bosses to keep a job and stuff. I'm sure all that yeah. stuff happened. And that was like- and it's a, still happening, especially in the like- Yeah, yeah. Acting and like entertainment industries like yeah. in New York, like it's, it's super common. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But there's a question of like, um, yeah, I just don't know. The, that isn't an action by someone. Like, that, that's an action by the person in power. But that isn't, like, a societal push on someone to do that. And instead, we have a societal push on something to do that we can see clearly is not wrong if we look at it logically. Like, or we really? can see clearly is, is wrong if we go... Like, I'm sorry, if we can see clearly is wrong if we look at it logically. So if we, if we take the position of looking at, like, here is Shane Gillis' situation. Here is the podcast he was on. I can go listen to it. Like, I have ears. I have five minutes. Yeah. 
I could go hear the context. I can see where his position was on the show. I can see what the responses were for people on Twitter. I can see who was actually offended and none of them were Chinese. So to me, like there is a logical progression to say that even though like maybe Chinese people had a bad time before, we could logically see that this was not a good decision. So the idea that even though it's not a good decision, we've got to do it because Chinese people had a bad time before is like where it starts to disconnect for me and where I think that if that continues to happen, you will have people who would otherwise be happy to help and happy to push a narrative of like, let's, nobody, we're not racist, you know? Um, you start to push those people away because you, you, you wrong people that have done nothing wrong. I fully believe that Shane Gillis is not racist and is perfectly fine with Chinese people and would probably help one on the side of the street, just like any other person because they're a person, you know what I mean? And like, yeah, it's just like, um, but for some reason society has said that because he said some words on a podcast, now he hates all the Chinese people and we've got to, we've got to shut him down. And like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. So like to me, like logically we can see that's wrong and that's in the public eye. So why do we have to do that? Because in the private, some shit happened to people before. Like, I I don't know, man, like that, that's just where my head is at with it. And again, like the whole problem is because it's public and because the other thing was private, you're going to have a whole bunch of people who just see the public thing and just see the overcourse correction. And it's just going to push them all away from a narrative in which we want to like help people out. Like, we want everybody to be better. We don't want r- women to be wrong. We want everybody to be treated equally. Like all races are normal. Like there's nothing wrong with anyone. Like culture is great. Like I don't like, I think most people believe that is like where my head goes with it. And I think like there's these small systematic issues that happen, but because the social media is so big, we've just got this giant course correction that's happened all across social media when the problem was in like these small segments of the world. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I want to touch on a couple of things that you said. First of all, uh, feel free to stop me anytime I talk. By the way, no, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Okay, Um, okay. I number one is uh, one thing that I said that you loved. That sorry, one thing that you said that I loved, um, which is we need to look at every every single situation um, individually. And while that's harder, um, it's very dangerous to put. um, I'm with you 100% on this. It's very dangerous to create across the board rules. Um, yeah. about words, um, about um, actions that people can take because it, it creates um, kind of a society that we don't want to live in. Um, not necessarily... Um, at the end of the day, it's we're, we're, more of us is going to belong to uh, corporations uh, because you made the statement... Um, you know, somebody's going to be deciding, uh, you know, what is wrong and what is right. Um, and at the end of the day, the most visible people are always going to be um, the media. Uh, and at the end of the day, the media is always going to be controlled by capital because they're, yeah. they're literally, they work in the interest of protecting capital. Um, yeah. So the more angry and, and, and vilified we get about anything, uh, the less we think and the more we give ourselves up to uh, having our lives run um, and uh, even moralized by capital. So I'm 100% with you there. Every single situation is one that we need to look at individually um, to be fair to not only you know offended parties, but every, every single person in the world um, yeah. would, would like that treatment if they were in that situation. Um, 
because one day you will get canceled uh and uh you know we'll 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 see what it doesn't feel good uh (laughs) it's not something you want to happen um, the problem, uh, the problem is every. I'll just say real quick. The problem is everybody's not recorded all the time. So as soon as yeah. you start recording people all the time, then you can cancel people very easily. But if everyone was recorded all the time, you could cancel a lot of people more than they think you could. Yeah. You say I something offhanded at the direction. party. Yeah. You say something offhanded at the party, or that you didn't realize you said, or you misspoke, or whatever. It gets cut yeah. out of context, and you don't have a career anymore because you misspoke. But you weren't recorded, so that doesn't happen to you. So. Yeah, I mean the big the big place we're seeing that now is like as our lives transition onto social media, like people are like normal people are getting barraged on Instagram and Twitter all the time um, for you know h- how easy like literally the system of Twitter like when you retweet something it is necessarily out of context you're taking it out of the context yeah. of their timeline and then you put it onto your timeline uh, yeah. and then everyone gets mad at it like that's literally the 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 thing. Um, but let's go back to Shane Gillis. I, I wasn't really yeah. um, familiar with the situation before. Um, yeah. And so in the spirit of giving every single person uh, their their moment of, you know, being judged in the court of the public opinion, I want to talk about Shane Gillis for a second because yeah. uh, I just found out about this and I think that it's super interesting to talk about, especially in the court of um, the public eye right after a um, – a large shooting happened in Georgia today. Okay. Was it I didn't Georgia? Know about that. I didn't yeah. Know. So, um, six people, um, eight people, uh, were killed total, but six of which were Asian women. When this man goes around and shoots up, uh, some massage parlors. Um, and we, we got more information as like news kind of came out through the day that, um, it wasn't, uh, by, you know, his intention um, related to uh, he, d- he didn't target it at Asian Americans. He was targeting uh, what he believed were um, sex workers that these ma- massage parlors were um, that these Asian um, Americans were running like sex parlors um, uh, on the side, like illegally. Um, and whether that's true or not, there is definitely amount. Uh, some amount of anti-Asian or Asian stereotypical uh, perception that you can attribute to that act, right? Um, sure. Like that kind of stereotype of like a you know massage parlor run by Asian Americans, where you can go in the back and ask for a, a, a happy ending. Is that what the yeah. the joke is yeah. about? Yeah, like that's yeah. something that is persistent in our, in our culture. And so when you look at a question like Shane Gillis, and I'm not going to comment on that this particular situation because it's, A, probably six months ago or something, um, yeah. uh, and I, I'm not familiar with the clip or whatever, but I think that in a situation like that, you sit down and you, you ask a few questions, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this afterwards. And the questions, the number one question that I would ask is, is the kind of language damaging enough currently um to or contributing to um a uh stereotype or larger perception of a group of people that is doing wrong um and some like is it dehumanizing um is it is it causing physical harm in the world right now and one reason that i could you know if that situation were to happen today right i would probably be on board with canceling shane gillis because right now we have a ton of 
anti-Asian um, speech like happening in the world, right? Uh, starting like most notably Trump like calling the coronavirus the China virus. Uh, it's created a, a whole bunch of anti-Asian sentiment. And if someone had jokingly um, contributed to that, um, I don't think that it would be helpful now. You know, I think that that would be a damaging act now. And not that I would say that like uh, a man's career would should be taken away, but I would be like in support of like shaming that act in the public eye to discourage like that kind of speech in the present because of how sensitive the issue is right now. Um, again, these timelines don't act up. I'm just like giving like an example, like way of how I would look at the situation if it happened today and would love to hear your thoughts about that. Yeah, so I think this is uh, a fundamental difference that we have. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, by like a large amount. Um, I think context always matters, but in in the context of what the person is saying. So like you, the idea that because some Chinese people died today, uh, like you can't make a Chinese joke, but you could yesterday or or later when people forget, is is crazy. To me, like that doesn't make any sense. Like just because like the sentiment now is different is like, uh, yeah, I don't think to me that makes any sense to me. Like well, the, the idea the question is, that is it damaging? Yeah, but 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 how? In what way is it damaging? Who? How does that? Da how does him making a joke, uh, offhanded joke, uh, on a podcast, even if it, let's say it was extremely racist, how does that um, actually damage a Chinese person? Like you're so you're saying like there is some small minute chance that someone listened to that podcast and that changed their opinion about Chinese people in a way in which they would shoot them or like what, <laughs> how do we get there? Like, how do we I just want to yeah. follow the logical progression in which that racist comment somehow builds to a world in which Chinese people get shot. Like, I just don't understand. I would love to know. Yeah, for sure. I, I think yeah. m my stance is just that uh, a larger collection of like dehumanizing sentiment um, can contribute to people being um, emboldened and committing uh, bad acts. You know, uh, I and I think that even like the smallest kind of conversational pieces, while they can't be like linked directly to something like a shooting, are contributing factors. And again, it's not like I would ever, uh, if like this were to happen today, support like a person being deplatformed or firing fired. Um, that is like just a product of capitalism. That these people are, you know, like making these decisions. That networks are making these decisions. But um, do I support like the shaming of of that behavior where appropriate? Yeah. But I I see your point. Like, does his comment cause a shooting? It does. But my point is like, does any number of his comments? cause a shooting. I don't think even him going on an anti-Chinese tirade on a podcast where he has the anti-China podcast is a bad thing because he literally has a point where he is allowed to say what he feels. If someone feels the same way, then they can listen to that as well. But the idea that somehow that person's entire worldview or whatever is going to be changed because his argument was so good that Chinese people are bad. Like I just, I just can't buy that because there's just as much good Chinese sentiment in the world. So he made the choice to view the content that he did and he like <clears throat> to me okay let me um this is definitely going to be controversial but like i feel like you could say the same thing about every religion 
Like, like religion contributes to things that are bad sometimes. People die in the name of religion because some guy thought that Jesus told him to shoot a guy in a, in, in, a, in a lobby. Does that mean that we should not have religion? Like, because sometimes that people do bad things in the name of religion? Like, he was at the church yesterday. Like, yeah. didn't he learn because he was at the church yesterday? Yeah, no, I think this is a, an interesting uh, point to pull up. Um, and yeah, so like if 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 a guy um is acting in his like what is it what is the person acting on uh flesh out like a potential situation uh well so the the obviously the thing would be he went to a mosque and then he blew up uh, uh like a a local bank or something you know whatever it is like um let's say that yeah somebody went in and blew up the local embassy because they were in a mosque before um but the question is did the mosque cause them to blow up the embassy. You know, if they weren't having meetings at the mosque, if he just felt like because when he was reading the Quran, it said that he needs to defeat the infidels and the things that he learned through religion says that these were the people that were the infidels. I mean, this is literally what happens in these religions yeah. is, you know, they're militarized in this way. The question is, like, how do you why don't why do we let there be mosques if that's the same situation? Like the idea that we don't cancel Muslims like we. Yeah. You know, well, like, I don't understand, like, where the where the disconnect is. Because it's racism or sexism, it's okay. But religionism is like, ah, yeah, but that's protected. Even though people die, even though there were crusades, even though, like, there were religious zealots, even though, like, all these things happen, it, I, I feel like the same thing is not thought about because it's, like, a protected situation. And so, like, I don't know, those, that's just one example of, like, uh, that hypocriticalness I see across society. Yeah, I, I, I would argue that, um the the situations aren't parallel um because belonging to uh we're talking about a situation where a person belongs to a group um versus a situation where um someone uh they're, they're like steps removed in, in kind of the situations that we're talking about so like you just presented a situation where like one like the the inciting idea and the person involved in a criminal act are uh, connected. Like there's a one-to-one -one connection. It's not like through a, a third party. Um, and we're kind of like, canceling is necessarily like, we're talking about people that are contributing to larger ideologies. Uh, and then those ideologies through the internet or whatever means uh, making their way to other parts of world of the world and inspiring acts of violence or systematic um, oppression. Yeah, I guess, I guess my, like my thought process is like in the same way that like, okay, I'm a Muslim. I can go to a mosque or I can go online and research about Muslim. I can read the Quran and those will reinforce my beliefs about what I think about Muslims. And then I can interact that in a, enact that in the, my daily life. Um, I, I just like, to me, it seems fairly parallel to go like, I am a racist against Chinese people. I'm going to go look up podcasts about how I don't like Chinese people. And I'm going to listen yeah. to jokes about anti-Chinese people. And I'm going to do, do some shit against Chinese people. Like they, sure. they are involving themselves in a culture that's very similar. Just because you can't go to a anti-Chinese, like a, a racist Chinese building, like <laughs> like you know you know what I mean. Like yeah, to, I hear you. To me, so I, I, I feel. Go ahead. I feel at a core level, 
like the, on a person's worldview, those feel similar. That's all that I mean. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that, so both of us, let's talk about our common ground here. Uh, yeah. Before I ask this question, our common ground is uh, that both of us uh, believe heavily in free speech and heavy in, heavily in the right to comedy. Um, I, I specifically um, am like on the side of comedians. I think that they're an important part of our world. Um, and I think that allowing them some oopsies is really important because comedy and satire um, over the history of the world has really um, opened up a lot of good discussion and thought that has moved us forward um, in a lot of ways. Um, but I think that it's kind of an issue that that I am trying to personally um, develop like a super clear stance on um, is um, kind of uh, where, where we're landing right now, which is there is... Um, what what we found out, like in the Capitol riots, is that misinformation um, and allowing groups to go too far, um, and allowing ide ideology to spread too far, can be dangerous, and it can have very quick outcomes um, and very unexpected outcomes, especially in the world of social media. Um, we watched over like a course of months um, a influential figure spread a lie uh that information make its way onto social platforms and then an unprecedented uh assault on democracy uh happened on january the 6th and so i'm kind of in this state where i'm trying to figure out exactly what uh, he here's my stance ideology is dangerous and things that contribute to that uh those ideologies um we should be informed about and try to avoid how do we do those? To me, when I see like things like cancellation happen, um, it's me seeing uh, someone make a statement in the public forum that uh, kind of the zeitgeist views as dangerous or contributive to a destructive ideology and people responding that to that, saying like, hey, we don't want these kind of statements happening. An unfortunate byproduct of that is that like there, there isn't like a ton of discussioning discussion happening um, around those issues because what we see is industries see those people as a brand risk and they instantaneously drop them. But I don't see, um, I, I guess I don't understand um, why, I, I don't see a better alternative right now than uh, you know talking about sensitive issues and, and why certain jokes shouldn't be made on, on social media. Like, well, what are we gonna do about the fact that um, statements are being made that support ideology that's dangerous. Like we live in a world of free speech, but we're living in a world where dangerous ideology <laughs> is being acted on every day and things have to be done about it. So like, what's the solution? I think the solution is uh, suck it up. Shit happens. Education. Um, like I, I think that the idea of saying like, hey, let's restrict shit and baby everyone and pretend like everyone can't handle it. Um, but at the same time, we're going to trust them enough to pick the right speech to censor. Like, I don't understand. Like, the, the, so that's what? Okay. This is the, I don't this, understand. This, Who is censoring the speech other than the people? Like, cancellation But that's is the problem. But it's not everyone. The zeitgeist doesn't include everyone. The zeitgeist includes the people with the voice. That's the difference. 
So the zeitgeist includes the loud people on Twitter. The zeitgeist includes the 5 to 10% of people in urban areas. The zeitgeist includes people who can be the loudest. Just because I disagree with you, I, you can't hear me, because the, the overwhelming majority of woke has this agenda and they have a thing they say and it may not be like someone's a, like built agenda but it's a becomes an agenda of the group because they all have a group think about it and there's no one else to come into it so like i would agree if the zeitgeist was everyone i would agree if the zeitgeist could somehow be everyone in the world but what the zeitgeist is because of social media is people who can talk loudly on twitter and and like my problem with the situation is that the people making the decisions isn't everyone. It's the people who think uh, these more extreme things. And like, you know, you talk about ideologies and ideologies are bad, okay? But like for an ideology to be good or bad or in the middle, it has to be in analyzed by someone who understands that. And when you think about the zeitgeist, I don't see any analysis. I see uh, like reactionary things that happen based on actions that happen on other people. Just like you're saying, like, okay, everything's going great. We feel like everything's communicated properly. We've restricted speech in the right ways. A bunch of Chinese people died. Fuck, we didn't restrict Chinese speech well enough. Now we've got to go look back at everyone who was talking about Chinese people. We got to figure out where this came from. So now let's go through. You see what I'm saying? Like to me, yeah. we, we become, um, I feel like the problem is people. The problem isn't the speech. The problem isn't the thing. The problem isn't yeah. all these other things. Like, so we're saying that people can't be trusted enough to hear a bad opinion and logic out the fact that it's a bad opinion. Like we should kill Jesus. But the question they're, is they're, how- They're how, not. <laughs> then how can all those same people like get together and zeitgeist decide, like how can the zeitgeist be correct about the ideologies that it stops? Because the zeitgeist is made up of those people. That's the whole problem. Yeah. So if the people yeah. can't if the people can't decide in the first place, how can the people decide now? It, it just, <laughs> just seems to me they're still gonna decide wrong. Instead, we have to educate so everybody can decide better. Like that that's where my head goes. So like a course correction doesn't help anyone because like you're just you're just hurting other people. And like again, maybe it's better for people now than it was before and maybe there's a better percentage and all those things I'm totally down with. And uh, you know, like you said, like we don't want to shut down people's careers and all those kind of things. Like there's these there's these all these nuanced areas. My 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 fear is just that like we don't trust people, so let's put trust in people is like the the <laughs> narrative that we push. And that's what I I don't know. Like that's that's where I see it yeah yeah no it's uh yeah this is a really fun conversation actually <laughs> um I, I am really loving this um and, and that's I, great i'm with you i i i share um i think that we're work we have closer intents um I, yeah. I share all of your fear maybe My closer intents that the argument might uh, or the the conversation might might uh, seem, but I I share all of the same fears that that you're voicing. I th um, I think you just err on the side that it would be better to work against some of those ideologies, and my yeah. fear and my fear is that as you start to work against some, then it's just going to keep going. Like you, you're not going to stop at this ideology after again something bad happens for no reason. Like should PewDiePie not have a platform because somebody ran into a building, shot people after he yelled PewDiePie? Like I. I don't think that's fair to PewDiePie. Like people are crazy. Yeah. 
people have mental breaks. People decide what they decide. Like, you know, like they are wired the way they are. They had their own experiences and they were raised in whatever way they were. They're built with whatever genetics they have. Neuroplasticity is what it is. Like you can't, you like, you can't decide why people do what they do. And like, I think society trying to decide why people do what they do and deplatforming people that would push that narrative. Just the other thing that you do, not only do you like, not only do you, um, like you deplatform a voice in such that you think it's bad, so you do it, right? And maybe it's bad and maybe it wasn't, okay? But the other problem is that like, now that you've deplatformed a voice, you've given some validity to the people that believe that that was valid because now they think that the people in power have deplatformed the thing that was right and real. And so to me, you also start to build grassroots movements. And I'm not convinced that we would not have seen something like the Capitol riots if there was a giant push against it. It would have just been a grassroots smaller movement, but it still would have been like this internal, like they said, I think 10 to 12% of people in the country were part of the Q movement is what was claimed in polls. And I don't know how accurate I don't know how accurate that is, but but to me, even if like a quarter of the percent of people were part of Q, you still would have yeah. seen all those people end up at the Capitol because like those are the people they are and they will find the information they did. And the, the amount of people that didn't see it because it wasn't platformed is counter to the amount of people that will see it because it wasn't platformed and it's shared in all the under circles and everybody wants to know about it because it's obviously being hidden from us. And then it adds validity to something that wouldn't, it would have just been something they read in past. Like those are, those are again, uh, more, more of the fears that I have. Like, I don't yeah. think we're, I, obviously we're not going to like solve this, but like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I think that definitely, uh, again, I sh- I share uh, all of the same fears, but I really yeah. really think that um, maybe I think that you might have more. Maybe I'm more pessimistic here. I think you might have more faith in people than I do. Um, I I <laughs> I really think that there's some there is some amount of control um, that we need to have on a larger scale, and I get it. It's scary um, over what kind Ooh. of content people have access to because people. I, I don't no, I and I think that, that needs to be figured out too. Uh, in a in an ideal world, a just government uh, of all geniuses. Again, <laughs> I I, 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 like... I hear you. Listen, wait, let me okay. get this out. I am not presenting a a governmental worldview. I I I feel like yeah. you're talking about a long term thing, and and I'm really talking about a short term thing here. People are being irresponsible uh with the information that they're getting and my belief that people are going to become more responsible uh with how they consume information Uh, i don't have a lot of faith in that right now and i think that some amount of censorship for the general population um doesn't necessarily make maybe not censorship but there needs to be pushback against uh there needs to be public push pushback against potentially harmful and mis- misinformation, whether it comes from the government or social media. There has to be an opposing force, and right now it's really strong. But I I see that as a positive. My only point is the opposing force should not be deplatforming. The opposing force should be logic, reason, science, understanding, and real facts. Like that's the problem. Like if you want to have a if you want to have a pushback if you want to like teach people the right way the right way is not yanking away the wrong way, 
the right way of teaching them the right way is like the how my head works and like i get that like people are yeah i don't like the the problem is again like there's a we so like i I think this tends toward like the communist idea which is you know we can think what we think about that but like i think that (laughs) my my opinion of what most communists view at least in some uh small amount of this communist idea is that like everything will be great because i'll decide the rules because obviously i'm a good guy like, but, but that's what I'm starting to feel from that argument. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we'll only restrict speech a little bit and we'll decide when to stop. Cause obviously we're smart people. We'll all get together. We'll figure this out. It won't go too far. Everything will be great, but people are stupid. Like that's what we've just decided. Like people are not, can't handle this shit. So some of those people are going to get on that board of people. Some of those people yeah. are going to have the power. Some of those people are going to make those decisions and start to trend you towards the wrong thing, like towards an agenda. Like that's where my head goes. Yeah, so I, I, again, I hear you. I think yeah. uh, let, let's let's do a, one final little experiment here. So sure, I yeah. think both of us are, are kind of talking about like worldviews and, and long-term solutions. Uh, I, I'd like to talk about, let's close this out uh, with a specific issue. Okay. Um, let's talk about Trump being banned off Twitter uh, because I'm super okay. interested to hear your perspective here. Um, I guess I'll go first. Um, yeah, I, I think that it was the absolute best move that could have possibly been made, um, (laughs) at the time, because, uh, as a person with some, like one of the largest influences in the entire world, uh, backed with the credibility of owning the state. Uh, in the public's eye, um, this man was spreading information, which he, I truly don't believe that Trump intended to capital riots. I absolutely don't believe that he meant for it to happen. I absolutely don't believe that he um, tried to summon those people there. And I don't think that he meant it to go as far as it did. I think that he was a grumpy, angry old man and a sore loser. um, And he couldn't shut up about how pissed he was about that. However, I think his speech and his actions in that moment, um, in that moment, I say that moment, over like two months, uh, his, his speech and actions over two months had such a negative effect on the world that it was appropriate to censor his Twitter and delete his account. Because the, the actions that people were making were being justified and used as justification um, based on this man's speech. And I think that uh, because that free speech was detrimental overall to the world, uh, it was important for it to be censored. And the fact that he had such a large platform uh, was reason um, enough to, to make that call. Again, like censorship on the sm- like people we, people, we talk about this issue, like you in your conversation in the living room will never, uh, will probably never, ever, ever be subject to this. There is no equivalency. I, I think a lot of people who are like anti-speech censoring or anti-social uh, um, agenda uh, have this fear that like, oh, this is going to come back to my own living room. I won't be able to say that like uh, I didn't support black-owned businesses at my house because I, uh, uh, I, I, the cops are going to come and like bust down my – it's not going to happen to you. 
the the reason that some speech is dangerous is because some people have platforms that are so large that it affects the entire world in a negative way. And so I think that it was uh, I think it was a good call. Um, and I'd love to hear your opinion on the matter. Yeah, so uh, something that you said there, it, it just strikes me as weird because, like, um, you said that you don't think that you think that people in their homes can't be affected by this sort of thing. Like, it, don't you know what I mean? Think the average Joe, no, absolutely not. But you were at a hipster party where you were called a woman, like a, a woman hater, and yelled out of a room by seven people. Like, that, that affected you on a basic level in a household. My point is that, like, this does infect the people. This does infect the society. This does infect the minds of people. And you slowly change the perception of people based on the decisions you make for speech censorship. Um, it, it, I, I see it every day, and I think you've seen it in your personal life. Like, you see the impact on people. Like, they believe that this is now the truth, and they need to fight for the righteousness and say, like, look, man, you can't say that about women because that's wrong. But maybe, the, again, they don't understand the context or the nuance or what you said or why you said it, and they're not actually helping women. They're just saying it because, boy, that seemed like it was against women. I don't really know, but we got to stop it. Um, so like that, that's my concern there is like, I think it does trickle down right? and I think it will affect society and I think it will be a thing and that, and I will say that I do not think Twitter, Trump should be banned from Twitter. I think we need to see the consequences play out. The consequences that play out are what cause us to have the conversations now. If Trump had been censored two months before that, then we might not have the Capitol riots, but we also may not have understood the impact that his tweets have. So my point is just that maybe we should let him tweet. Like, like Twitter has the right to do whatever they want, but I think we should let him tweet, let him push the zeitgeist where the zeitgeist goes, and then let the responsibility and everything resolve. Because I think as you start to like pull back the, um, like that spun up fabric or whatever, then you prevent it from spinning up. It's like a spring, right? And the spring is like trying to like unspring. Like, but you keep pushing it back in because you don't want to let it unspring because you're worried about what's going to happen. But like, you keep pushing a little more every time. And my concern is that like, because you never let the spring relax, you never let people like have these thoughts and then like let them go and like be through these things and like the ebb and flow doesn't happen, that you've stopped the ebb for so long that your flow is just going to be huge. And now you're going to have these people dump uh, all this feeling that they would have had uh, and now it's going to come out in a waterfall of emotion when it finally does trigger like uh, civil war versus like hey let's go stand at the capitol and pretend like we're doing something and break some windows yeah. um, and I understand somebody died I, I, I just think that like that's one person versus a civil war where neighborhoods are fighting with each other because they were so ideally against each other. And my concern is that if you continue to censor speech, you continue to push people who believe those things that you censor into a pressure cooker and you build up this thing that would have been slowly released and let go um, over time. Sick? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, man, I, we've been a little different here, but I, I respect your opinion. And uh, yeah. Dude, uh, this is this has been fun—a fun first episode. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Dude, we should put this one out. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Uh, yeah, yeah. Why not? Uh, anyone listening, uh, you'll probably know the name, 
because uh, it'll be posted. I wonder if Hear Me yeah. Out is taken. <laughs> we'll, f- we'll find out. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, well, uh, oh. everyone, thanks for coming yeah. by, and thank you to our sponsors. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Literally no one. Literally no one. All right. That's it.